Yo, Brandtrepreneurs, thanks for tuning into the podcast. This is the place to help you start and build a disruptive brand and impact the universe. You're locked into the grind where we give you the inside track, the what goes on behind the scenes while we start our new business. Hopefully you'll learn what it takes to launch a successful brand as we share our learnings with you. I'm Matt Thorne, aka Sketchy Media. I'm Phil Kemish, aka Phil Kemish. And I'm Nish Solanke, just Nish Solanke. On this week's episode of The Grind, we are talking about the common mistakes that businesses make. And we're going to give you the lowdown on how you can avoid those pitfalls and make your business a success. So let's get right into it without any further ado. We are back, people. We're back in the in the place of dreams, in the hot seat. It's your living room. It's where dreams happen, <laughs> not in the bedroom. I spend more time out here on my sofa <laughs> than anywhere else. So uh, the life of an entrepreneur. The life of an entrepreneur. <laughs> so yeah, we're back, guys. We are deep into our sixty-six day challenge. Which, if you're following along this journey, you may or may not know about. Which is where we take our business from concept to first customer in 66 days from zero to hero how you found it so far it's been intense like literally i live in a tent it's been that (laughs) (laughs) it's no it's been really intense honestly like it's been like because we when you set yourself like an almost impossible goal which this is nothing's impossible nothing's impossible but almost like this this goal that you're driven towards like everything else drops off like i've been literally getting up in the middle of the night with like ideas and to, to, to a certain extent, like you have to let it consume you. Like when it comes to this point, like if you're not thinking about it all the time, it's just not going to happen. Like you have to be in that headspace. So I quite like it. I quite like that. I've got to that place now where I'm not really thinking about anything else. Sorry, girlfriend. Um, that just happens. Um, but this week we are going to talk about um, some of the business mistakes and why businesses fail. And actually one of the processes we've been going through right now is trying to validate the business from top to bottom to make sure that we drop those percentages of failure which are really high on new businesses 30 percent of new businesses actually die within the first year and it's bigger after five years right five years only 50 percent so that you know those are those are not great odds like if anything else like you know why people entrepreneurs are so hard those odds aren't great we're we're writing a business plan not to fail not just a normal business plan So we're going to look avoiding at avoiding failure at all costs. Yeah. So we, I think today we're going to look at like some of the things that why businesses fail and then maybe some of the things you can put in place if you're starting a business or brand that might be able to help you reduce those odds. So let me just ask, like, why do you think businesses fail in the first place? There is a very, very long list of reasons that uh, we could insert here, but... We're th- going to give you a top five, Nish. I think we're going to give you five reasons. These are the top five that have actually been validated by a business study which with percentages. And I'm going to let you... number. Four, this has got 42% of businesses fail because of this reason. Does anyone know what it is, Nish? You got any, got any ideas? Um, I would say money. Close. That second. The well, first that's very one, broad as well. Like lack of money... <laughs> I mean, obviously, Just a business lack of investment. <laughs> lack of investment. So, very close. Not enough capital is actually second. First is there's no market need. So you can imagine that 42% of businesses are dying in the first year because they just didn't understand whether there was a market for that business. You see it all the time. Like I see, there's certain shops that open that within like six months they're gone. There's another shop. Like it's crazy isn't it these businesses go up yeah. and down and uh, that's high street obviously there's a, there's a whole other section on that and but. obviously it works in all facets of business and that one that we kind of see more in terms of the startup world and we've actually had experience working with uh startups on certain things and the one thing that's been consistent 
in those experiences with startups we've worked with or tried helping from a marketing and brand point of view has been product market fit. Yes. So having having an idea for an app that sounds great, but that no one fucking wants has been the biggest killer of almost all of those things. And it's incredible because there was a business, I'm not going to say any names that we went into, which we said to them, look, you, you know, you had maybe 50, 60 people working on this business and building this thing. And we said to them all... Well, they raise a shitload of cash. They raise a lot on of money. On an idea. Yeah, on an idea. And we said to them, like, have you tested this product against your target market? We're marketing guys. Like, have you got some of your potential audience in to talk about the product? No. So you've raised millions of pounds. You've got developers building a product, but you haven't talk to any of your potential customers no, about I the product. It might be a little bit unfair there because yeah. they did actually speak, like it was one of those concepts which yeah. when you said it to someone, everyone would say, everyone yeah. would say, oh yeah, that makes sense. So actually it was really easy to validate from a people to people point of view. Yeah. But what they weren't doing is validating the product. Like how is the product going to actually work and will people use it? So they took, and maybe that's why it went mm. so wrong is because it was a no brainer that, that, that app would that made sense oh my god there's a social network for this there's a social network for that so shouldn't there be a social network for this for is music? for music yeah yes of course everyone was like yeah that makes complete sense but actually the turns out the reason why there isn't a social network for music is because there's not one needed so what should they have done to get to that answer sooner i mean they should have got a product out early doors yeah which they could have tested that. So instead of building... Like an MVP. Yeah, I mean, instead they were building... I mean, they had... They didn't even do a proof of concept. They had great screenshots of the app, which I remember seeing, which I was like, this looks great. Like, it, like in, an, in a... Like, you, no one was playing with it. There was no actual data or usage behind it. It was literally screenshots of a design with a 40-person team building the, one of the biggest apps that I've ever seen planning to be built. Wow. So they were building the full, 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 scalable, global scalable product and raising money from it without even validating what features of the product people would want, whether they would even use that type of thing. And actually, that, I mean, there was it's a really with some of the best case not, study because there was yeah. so much that went wrong with it. Yeah. But I think, look, we can talk about them as a bit of a case study. Look, you know, there's not, it's not a hidden secret what happened. And I think it's a bit, a bit of an experience that we went through. And there's, been, there's lots of startup stories exactly the same as that. That's not just one. That's just one that we worked on. Um, so no market need is really important. How do you validate that stuff? I think you need to go out and speak to customers. I remember the story of like Airbnb when they first started. And, you know, obviously they were going out and knocking on their their renters doors asking him questions about would would you how many how much more would you rent this what kind of price would you pay to rent this like they they, they were literally doing door to door of service on people on um what's the, what craigslist so they were advertising on craigslist going to the people that they actually booked the flats for via craigslist and asking them questions like on and also they were renting their own apartments so they were their own first customers they were renting their own blow-up beds in their That's own apartments nice. so there was some kind of element to that and a lot of people we're talking to at the moment, like we're trying to get ahead of ourselves in terms of speaking to potential investors in the future around what we're doing. And the one consistent thing that is coming back is like this product validation piece. I, I don't even want to go too far and say MVP because I think that's even one stage beyond just validating your proof of concept. That's basically what everybody wants to see. And what's really interesting about that is how we get there and what those metrics may be to get it because that's what unlocks the doors to success. And I think the startup world, if you take what's happening in America and how those guys operate, obviously the culture's completely different, the amount of money that they're spending over there, but the the building blocks of the success of all these different startups 
you know, is creating almost like a formula that investors and other people are adhering to. So for us, when we're looking at our products and our business, we're not trying to do that, raise millions and shit it down the pan on a product that doesn't work. We're taking a very pragmatic and strategic approach in terms of how do we get there? What do we need to validate? And let's make sure we build something that's right. And, you know, we spoke last week about the pivot. The reason why we're pivoting so much is because even at the very, very earliest inkling of the idea, we're validating the idea before we go into the product. So we're, we're just trying to be really meticulous with it. And a few ways that you can do that just to give some practical insight of a kind of like understanding where there's a the market, obviously market research, like from marketing guys, understanding who the market is. And that can come from trends and statistics reports, which you can get a licensed statistica, which is like a, statistics um, dashboard that gives you trend insights. And the second thing we kind of did was actually qualitative and quantitative research with our network of people. And also the thing we're doing next week is put, putting out questionnaires to people that don't know us to get some kind of valid insight into consumer technology, the usage, refurbishment, secondhand buying, and just trying to really understand that market and where it's going. And every Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The thing that we looked at does say the trend's going that way, but you can never just rely on trend reports. You have to get real customer insight. So... That's something that we're going to have to really immerse ourselves in over the next 66 days. Is I think it's really important with the proof of concept to actually look at all the different building blocks of what your product or your business is going to deliver and make sure that you're testing all the elements of them. So with us, we're going into this marketplace for refurbished technology. We're starting with phones and you know what? I'm not going to build a whole store system yet. My MVP will be a store system that validates all the different functions that need to happen to make this a complete business. But right now, from an idea point of view, we just need to get a supplier. We need to get some stock. We need to list it in a place and see if we can drive customers to it. And we can do that really cheaply. We can do that with static web pages if we yeah. need to. So we can a, do that with affiliate links. Yeah. There's really easy ways to take a small yeah. stepping stone to validate what that product's going to become. Uh, and our, our ideas on that has changed. That wasn't like, we used to always want to get like the final product. Like yeah, me and absolutely. Matt had been like, we're not going building to build the app and designing building the app. The app. Mm. And like that was our, that was potentially one of our biggest problems that we, you know, we've probably not got enough businesses off the ground or done stuff quick enough, but actually what we're learning from people within this space who are like really seasoned entrepreneurs is like, get the leanest thing you can get up and just test it. Even to the point where you just put a holding page up, drive people there, they go, they go to collect through an email or they go to buy something and it says not in stock. You've pro proven the intent of purchase. And I think, like I would like as a marketeer, that's not what we do. So having to rethink like from a startup or a 
I guess like an accelerated kind of mindset is different than what I've thought about. So that's a real interesting piece of learning that people can take. What's the quickest way you can validate your market? And you can do that through questionnaires. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised, that, and maybe you can correct me, on that list of top reasons businesses fail, is there anything to do with like not having, not measuring the right things? There must be... I think that's one of the biggest mistakes is, and we've done this with other Metrics. companies that we've, like, what are you actually measuring? Especially with, like, advertising campaigns and media when we've been working on other campaigns, not measuring, and this is why we went into attention a lot, because we felt that once we were measuring people's attention in terms of how much content were they watching, not did they just see it with an impression, how much were they watching, did they then take action, that attention was like the metrics that we started looking at as an agency that was defining success. When everyone else is looking at views and impressions, which don't mean anything, you're wondering why stuff isn't converting because you haven't, you're not measuring the right things. Yeah, that's not. And so number two after market need is not enough capital, which is specifically around running out of money. So not being able to cash flow the business, which yeah. can be very tough, especially for a startup because you're working very lean. So how do you keep money coming in or... You know, I think that's just that's just in and out cash flow, you know, running out of funds. So maybe not even raising money like we're trying to look at doing, but burning through the cash that you might have invested. Most businesses, it says here, sixty percent are funded. The first bit is done by the the founders, and it's usually just. Uh, it's probably underestimating the resource that's part of that as that's well. That's what we've like, seen the most. We see it? the biggest issue is it's great you could raise a load of money, but if you're not putting that money against the right resource, you'll fail because of the resource. And already when we're looking at what we need to put together in terms of how do we build a business, we're now looking at, we're not looking at the money first, we're looking at the resource and going, shit, how, what, what's the people cost going to be? What's the services cost going to be? Let's work back from there. Because if you get that wrong, you'll raise X amount of money and then you realize you need 10 more people on your dev team or you need four more people on your customer service team, that shit will take you under pretty quickly. A lot of the people that have been speaking to us have said from any kind of capital or raising point of view when you get to that stage, and if you need to get to that stage, having 18 months of runway. So a lot of people look at a financial plan and say, okay, we only need 12 months, but actually six months in, you probably need to be thinking about your next runway and, and your next growth. So that's making it. sure you have enough yeah. runway is certainly yeah. something we have to be careful of. I think that's the biggest takeaway there is the 18 months. Give yourself 18 months worth of runway, whatever that means. And that's that's something that we've learned and people have given us that advice. So that's that's answering that question. And then the next one is probably something that touches on the metrics and, and what you said before about not having the right, how many people is not having the right team in place. I think, you know, trying to get the right people around you when you're building the business is if you don't have the capital, it's very difficult because you're trying to pull people in for favors or, you know, it's just trying to figure out how you build that team. And actually, like we were talking about last night, Matt, who is the right team? If you're going into an area that you don't fundamentally know, who are the people that you need to get in on board level? So we've approached this almost a little bit different this time. We've looked at top down business. So we've gone, who do we need around us that has more experience before we look at the bottom up? I think a lot of businesses sometimes build from the bottom up and we've actually gone for the first time in my experience gone who is at top level above me and Matt. Yeah. And that's a different way of thinking because we've not come at a business like that. Well, there's hiring for roles versus building a team capable of taking the business forward. And they're two different things. What we need to go forward and be successful is not necessarily just the people, it's the experience, it's the contacts, it's those things. So you look at your no, your non-exec directors and your board level stuff, but we're probably looking at like, can we bring a CEO that's 
been out of business and, and built a business that's got all the contacts we need. It's almost like a bit of a co-founder level, if you like. And it might end up being that. We don't know yet. But And, and is that something that you have found based on your experience before? Like in some of yeah. the previous businesses, like uh, how did you... Well, I think, you know, if, if you're trying to build a business, you need the experience around you to help you in different areas that you're not strong enough. So I think a lot of it comes from when you're a founder, you end up being everything. 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 And me and Matt have done that. We spread yourself everything. I'm finance, admin, legal, HR. You just can't do it. So I think with this business, especially, we're looking at where are the areas we are weakest as two individuals and where can we get the support in those areas? And then where can we free us up to do the thing that only we can do? So yesterday we were mapping out our skill set and going, where are the areas that only me and Matt can excel in? There's no one else that we can bring in to do that because that's our sweet spot. And then where are the areas that we need team and let's find those people or, you know, get, yeah, we have to get them involved. And I think the right team also could probably um, be not just the right internal team, but who you hire, like hiring the wrong agencies or hiring the wrong people or hiring people too early. Yeah. Like a lot of times in startups, We've seen you, you see people hire businesses, marketing businesses, whatever, really early when they haven't even got the product finished. So I think like sometimes... When, in, there's two different ways. If you're a lean startup, you're probably not hiring those people. But if you've got money, it's very easy to spend money, yeah. but in the wrong places. So I think that's a really hard thing that we've not, you know, we've not been able to combat sometimes because the founders of other businesses are just going, let's hire this person. We need him right now. But you don't. And I imagine like hiring is, I mean, it's such an important thing, right? And it requires so much time and energy that it can't be one of those things that's one priority against four or five other priorities. It's the most important thing for me. The bit I worry the most about. Yeah, it's, it's the bit, bit I'm most scared of in terms of the yeah. whole thing because, you know, at the same time, even from my point of view, the hiring process is that important, but it's also a process that I don't see myself going to be too involved in because of the nature of where my skill set lies within a business. And that gives me a bit of anxiety because that's so important that like it's quite a time consuming aspect of the business you have to be focused on it you have to be constantly looking for people interviews it's it's really draining and i'm just really worried about getting the right people in so there must have been times in the past where you thought it, it was going to fail hmm. never never i know but like a few knockbacks what do you reckon you needed to be able to overcome that I think on a personal level, uh, grit and determination. And I, I genuinely believe that. I believe the cart follows the horse. So the second you think it's going to fail, that cart's going to follow you down that road. You really and I do, I do think blind yeah. faith. And yeah. obviously that comes with a disclaimer, which is you can't be an absolute dumbass. <laughs> you do need to have a level of logic and sensibility about you. But I do believe that if you want to make something happen, you will shift the pieces in your favor however you need to, to make that happen. Like that's, that's just the way that I look at these things. I, I'm like, I'm that person that will sit there. And when I used to, do, used to do this a lot when I was building websites, right? When a website would break because of some line of code somewhere, there's been times, no joke, where I've sat there for two whole days trying to figure out why that fucking thing's broke. And I believe that it's that. And I always overcame it by just sitting there for two days just trying to figure it out because that's the nature of, who I am and feels the same. And that's why we've always been able to work because you just keep going. There's a story in there about persistence and, and making it work, which is a bit philosophical, I know, but... There's, there's something that I'm reading at the moment called Black Box Thinking, which is a book um, 
just randomly, but he talks a lot about failure and as, as a, as an industry, like this is going to go too deep into this, but the basic concept is you have to be able to look at failure and learn from it. That's the only reason it's there to make you a better person. Like I said, we know we failed a lot of times, a lot more times than we've ever been successful. But at the same time, every single time that we do fail, something comes out. Do you know what I mean, we have to look at it. I, I never think that we ultimately fail. Like my, my approach to failure has changed because I used to beat myself up a lot about failure. You used to put a lot of pressure on myself. We're still here. We're winning We're still every here. day. I'm, I, I want to fail. I just want to fail quicker. Like that's literally how I feel right now is going, how do I fail quicker? How do I learn from it? My, the only time I get annoyed at myself is when we fail and we don't learn from it. That's the only time I ever put myself on Or do on the it. same thing twice. That's and it's, fucking annoying. Yeah, yeah. And it's black, same this black box twice. thinking is all about the airplane industry, about the fact that every time there's a huge failure that's catastrophic, they learn from every mistake as a whole industry and they put practices in place. Is why planes are the most safest transport, method of transport. Whereas something like the um, doctors and institutes like that, like, you know, they don't, they're not learning from the failures because the doctors aren't actually telling them to fail. So they're never learning. There's no process to actually help. The third biggest killer in hospitals is doctors and nurses. Like there's just, there's no human, it's human error. They can't help it, but they just don't admit it. So no one gets to learn from it. So it's just interesting looking at startups. I think one of the main things startups do with failure is like feedback loops and looking at failure at every point and going, how do we make it more efficient? And I think that's a different mentality of going into business. Even now when we're setting up operations and we're looking at stuff like, the failure loops need to be really tight and the feedback loops, sorry, need to be really tight on how we learn from them. And it's something I mentioned to Matt yesterday and it's like, we're something we're going to have to constantly think at. It's probably enough for another podcast, like how you be build, build feedback loops, but from a product point of view, that's going to be really important, isn't it? Because... Yeah, again, it goes back into the into the metrics. I might just save the metrics talk for another episode now because I feel like it's so in depth. Yeah. So not the right team can lead to failure. Let's go to the next one, number four. Number at nineteen percent, you got you know what it is. Well, number four, the reasons business fail. Uh, pricing. No, nearly. That's the fifth one. It's competition, outcompeted by other people. I was going to actually say something to your last point about marketing because if that's not on the list, I mean, fuck the list. We're making our own list. This is the list. Marketing is a huge one, right? And this is really interesting from where we've come from. There's not doing enough marketing and there's doing the wrong marketing. And I, and I know from looking at the metrics that we're going to have to start measuring from our business that your success is going to come from one key marketing channel. You know, 80% of all of your results is going to come from one thing that you're doing really well from a marketing point of view. So that might be a part of distribution partnership. It might be your paid social. It might be your content on your blog or those videos you're putting on your Instagram TV. One of those is going to be responsible for a lot of it. And what, what we've seen a lot of other people do is either do the wrong marketing, focus on the wrong areas, not double down on the things that are working and spread themselves too thinly. And you see this all the time. People want to be everywhere. They want to do the billboards. They want to do the TV ad. They want to do the radio ads. They want to do the paid social. They want to do the PPC and they want to do the influencers. But actually, only one of those things are doing the majority of, of the job. Yeah. And it might be that... Yeah, or test each of them in silo a little bit and yeah. figure out what converts and then double down. This, we, we used to do this. It was kind of exactly. agile, called agile marketing in the business. And it was being able to move really quickly. But I think the other thing about marketing is the amount of clients that's come to us in, in the past and said, we want you to market this product and the product it just isn't right. So you, it's it all good. It goes back thing, to yeah. the kind of like, only start Can't your market. shit. 
you can't <laughs> you can't polish a shit. You try, and it's and it's it's really important because the amount of people that have come and said like spent big money on marketing when the product just wasn't in a place to be able to do it. You know, don't test your marketing. So we built for a new client of ours. We did test budgets. So every like two months, we're doing new budgets, like not 12 month budget, new two months budget, testing what works, what hasn't worked, and then amplifying the areas that have worked. It's the only way really to look at it from a startup point of view, exactly how we're going to approach the marketing. Lean marketing. Lean marketing, yeah. So competition, let's just quickly talk about that. I mean, competition can be a marketing space, but I definitely think competition from a product point of view can out you know, like look at Uber right now, there's a new Uber launching every single week. You know, they were like dominant for a good three or four years. And now it's like, there's Captain, there's a new one that's just come out. Yeah, and the, the 22 irrefutable laws of marketing, one of those main laws is that there's, I might even quote this wrong, there's only two, there's only room for two. Because humans, we can only, our brain can only occupy like to be able to sift through, like we're going to delete a load of shit out of the list because it's relevant. So if there's 10, 10 boxes of cereals, there's only going to be room for two. There's going to be my Weetabix or if I want something different, that's not Weetabix, it's going to be Cheerios or whatever it is. Because like your brain, your brain can't fathom anything else from, from a choice point of view. How many fast food burger restaurants are there? Like off your head, you think two. McDonald's, Burger King. And they're opposites of each other, right? One. Like, and that's just how it works. It works across the whole, any industry that's, that's the same. Those laws apply. So competition's a scary one because you either need to create a new category for yourself. So you need to differentiate your business by not competing with them within a category because you need to own people's minds for the categories that they want. Right. And we're, we're, go, we're ha we haven't even touched on this yet with our new one too much. We, we have started looking at a new category for, of marketplace for ourselves, but yeah, we we need to be either first or different. They're, they're the only two. They're the only two rules. Yeah. First or different. So, how do you, from a competition point of view, how do you come into the market? If you're like a coffee shop, there's so many coffee shops. Like, so it's interesting that there's still coffee shops popping up now. Like, is it just because there's enough space for a coffee shop because of footfall? Is it just because people love coffee? No, the way you do it is by creating a new vertical, so it's not just a coffee shop. Yeah, it's like Joe, like Joe and the Juice kind of. Oh, it's just a yeah, juice shop with coffee, and it's, it's like okay, it's not a coffee shop. It's a entertainment coffee shop it's the only coffee shop where you can watch netflix or you see them like fucking friends coffee shops like there's like concepts like that that you have to be the first or different in a space you have to reinvent almost the the category that you're sitting in you can't walk down that high street and be a coffee shop because there's 40 coffee shops so what are you on that high street that's really interesting. So we talk about a little bit about attention who you were talking about then about not being able to think about different brands. One of the brands that has grabbed the attention of people this week has been the face app. So they've taken a lot of competition away from, I guess, like people have not been on Instagram as much or Facebook. I know that I've been on the face app for a good few hours, making the people old. Really interesting concept. Most downloaded app ever in a week, I is think. It Snapchat guys have done. Yeah, see who. who is yeah, it? So I don't, who, I don't know who's behind it, but it's absolutely killed it. So it's an AI face app. If you don't know, it just basically takes takes your face. And the best one that people have been doing is the kind of so making it older. But they've who's behind it? It's um, it's completely flooded my timeline. Yeah, but really interestingly, just absolutely taking the whole of social, and then it's they've got their little imprint of the face app, and they've managed to now just everyone's talking about it so i mean i don't know how viral it is and how it might be one of those hq we were talking about this the other i mean day. it's massively viral literally all the football clubs are doing stuff and you know when 
institutes like football clubs are taking on these types of things, it's completely gone. It feels like it's a cultural it's a Russian moment, company right? behind it. Oh, it? no. And you know what they're saying? Shout they're the saying, Russians. they're also saying that they're taking your, they've got full perpetuity license to use every image and every email. So if you Shout did, out to the so Russians. So when you signed up and you didn't know that, You've, they've got full license to use all the photos you've taken and also yeah i'm not going on it boy so it's it's maybe it's, i don't know there you go just just to watch out on what's happened but tell me about the experience when you first did it like how did you find it because i've only just got mine today because you I did it for it was, me no, for, in all honesty like i think there's something deep rooted in the psychology of like seeing yourself whether you're younger or older and it was just really interesting i think people want to know what's happening in the future that's we're all like we all want to see what we're going to look like. That's just, but it's just really well done and it's very easy to, to share it. And they just made it simple. But the actual technology behind it it's is fucking insane. Scary. Yeah, the technology level of what's behind it. No, 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 it's scary. And the fact that this is like Russian companies behind it, yeah. like that technology is so good and so powerful that this whole deep fake thing is going to become a massive issue in terms I, of society. I just think as well, like, you know, I've been watching Black Mirrors back to back with this face app thing and like that just, that just there is just completely changed the way I'm thinking about. I watched the Striking Vipers one with the game and it's like so much is going to happen that we don't know about in the next. And maybe this is about, to, I know we've got a bit of tangent with why businesses fail, but who knows what's coming? You've got to be thinking five years time. The reason why five years, five years is a long time, bro. Think about five years ago, what was happening, like compared to where we are now. Like, what was that? What was five years ago? Is it 2014? 20, what happened in 2014? Two years after World the Cup. Olympics, 2012 would have been the World Cup. What was it? France. What iPhone was out in 2014? Let's have a look. I, I, I like, I like knowing my years by the iPhone. iPhone five. No. So do you reckon the six would have come out by then? The six, six would have nice. September the 9th, 2014, the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus. There you go. One of the best iPhones. Six. We're now about to hit 11. Yeah. And that's mad if you look at the specs of an iPhone 6, 7 compared to we are now. And it's just like... But also you look at the way the technology has moved from there as well. I mean, look at the face app versus the sort of stuff we were getting in our... The AI stuff is just taken over. What was the top downloaded app on that year? 2014. It would have been a social network. I don't even know if you can that, get that. That would have been a social network, surely. That would have been around, well... Photo editing that. Photo editing that, yeah. Disney movies anywhere? Yeah, not much. But yeah, it's just the, like, if you look at how good that, that face app is, the technology behind it, the whole deep fake stuff is a whole nother topic in itself, but it's really, really interesting. When you think about CCTV and how, you know, this shit can be faked. We're going to be able to take CCTV footage and make other people in that like you're not even going to know that nish wasn't robbing that shop down the road because your face is going to be baked onto that guy that's robbing the shop and i just think that that's technology that's being implemented for us to be able to see but there's definitely technology advancements that we're not even seeing yet that is happening that exists that is working in other areas yeah. but the big argument is uh, are snapchat selling all of their their data on people's faces to the government mm. yeah conspiracy so I think that the takeaway for me, just quickly going off on a bit of a tangent, is try to build something for future because it is going to change and you're going to be looking at three to five years. If you want a business to last, last be it that 50% drop-off mark, then you're going to be thinking in the next five years what's going to happen, how you can move with that time more than anything. Potentially, the last one... So I've got a new... I'm, we're going to change our business now. I'm going to build a business that... Uh, 
It's security for your pictures that can analyze any picture and tell you whether it's fake or not. Because that's going to come in the future. Yeah. It's true. Has this been faked.com? Yeah. Upload the image, tells you if it has or not. The last one is pricing. So pricing, that's pricing is the, the fifth mistake that people let. 18% just behind competition of getting their pricing wrong, which ends up killing the business. So it's important. I mean, what, you know, how do you test your pricing? How do you actually look at pricing as one of the most important things to do? I mean, how are we, how are we looking at it? Yeah, it's it's not easy. We've not, we've not mastered it yet. We've, say, we've got a, again. Yet. We're at that stage where we've got a hypothesis, and it's through the questionnaires and speaking to the people that we want on our marketplace that's going to dictate the end of it. More for me is we're going in low, and actually we need to be a little bit higher. And because of the experience we're selling, we need to be able to price that appropriately. But then there's loads of economic stuff that comes into that, which is, you know, we we were looking at you know like a 10 percent pricing model right for example but then we're how much does the processing cost of the transactions on our website through like a stripe or a paypal you know it's 1.4 percent, whatever it is when you start start stacking all these things up the experience we want to deliver as a brand may have to increase the pricing because that experience is costly to us so we're not going to make much money out of it. So now what we've got to test is whether or not people want that experience and are willing to pay for it. So it's not just necessarily the, the price in itself. It's the effects that those pricing have. It's the, it's the econ- economics all around it. And I think that's, really a re- that's a really important point, Matt, saying the economics, the business economics around pricing. It's not just the price of a product. It's all those other factors that sometimes will change, you know? this will go up, that will change. And I yeah. think that's what's quite hard about pricing and knowing where to position yourself. And especially, like, I think the thing is, if you're, if you're a low-end brand, you know a low-end brand, you've got to sell volume. If you're a high-end brand, you're selling quality. So again, just knowing your positioning as a product and sticking to that, you can't be both. You can't be everything to every man. It's really difficult. I think one thing we learned from pricing, just from an agency point of view, just chat about it, was to try and productize your business. By productize, I mean, instead of selling like, scaled businesses where you don't you don't know what anything prices prices are here's a package here is a two grand session you get this like trying to make it easy for people to buy from a service-based business is really difficult that's one thing that we did learn on pricing and when we got that right it was a lot easier to price our business and to sell it yeah so just to wrap so people who have who've been listening to this and might be thinking fuck i'm feeling like my business is failing right now or i feel like i'm quite close to it based off of everything we've talked about, are there like one or two things that somebody can literally do tomorrow that's going to help them on a path to maybe surviving or maybe rethinking or doing something that's going to make them feel a lot easier? I think ultimately, yeah, you've got to look back at the core of it, which is what does your business do? And what problem is it solving? And are you, do you, have you validated that problem? Do you know really what the problem is? And is your solution really solving that problem? I mean, you're going to have to go through a checklist, right? That's that's a starting point. Then you go down through the, the marketing, the pricing. You have to go down through all of it. But yeah, I imagine a lot of it's going to come down to understanding your customer and also your metrics. And I think unless you can look at things and go, what's the most important bits of this business? Where, where are things not working? You, you have to have a starting point to identify it. Otherwise, you've got no hope. Yeah. And, and I would say, be really honest with yourself if you're running a business right now, where are the areas on those five, write those five down, no market need, not enough capital, not the right team, competition and pricing, anywhere you feel weak, go and get some help. 
there are experts in each of this field, whether that's another human, another person or an agency, like if you need the help, don't be afraid to ask for it. If I think sometimes as an entrepreneur, it's very easy to be like, I'm going to firefight every fucking problem myself. And it's, you just can't. You can't put out every fire. There's going to be fires in your business and you have to look at each one and go, how do I get someone to help me? And it's worth giving away some of your business for. It's worth paying money for if you have it. Yeah. You know, or if, you know, you've got to learn these elements. These are five key elements to your business. You have to know them, but you don't have to be an expert in every one. I'm not an expert in every one of these areas. So, And, and I think there's one that you touched upon, Phil, which is I think is a big one, which isn't those five, but actually your own perception of failure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So when you were talking about actually, like we failed shitloads of times. Like it's actually your own perception of failure. Learn it's, to it's fail okay fast. To... Learn to fail fast and just get and get better you know, quicker. Ultimately, maybe the better bit of advice is if there, if it is failing, and you're looking at that little bit of criteria and going, do you know what? There isn't a market fit or the product isn't right. Fucking can it now. Save yourself yeah. the, save yourself the or shit. Pivot. Yeah. Go can fast you put... and move on. Like iterate, move on. And, and that could be that, as valuable yeah. as anything else. Know when to let it, let the fire burn. <laughs> know when to let it burn out and just move on. There's no, there's no fear. If you, if you fail the business, you know, it is what it is. There'll be another opportunity. Do you know what I mean? It's not... It's not always going to be right. Let, like it said, let it go. Let it go. 30% of those businesses in the first year probably lost a lot of heartbreak and a lot of money and probably weren't. Could have, by doing a little bit of the market research and stuff up front, could have saved themselves a the time. You know, don't spend the money unless you're sure that the business has actually got some traction. Yeah. That, you know, that's the very first thing. And but look, try not to keep a dying horse on the respirator going on. Matt going loves a horse analogy today, horse, doesn't he? Today's theme is horse. But yeah, <laughs> if that shit's going to die, you know, put it wow. down. No more horses for courses. That's the end of the uh, podcast. Uh, thank you very much, Nish. We'll be back next week, won't we? Hopefully. Or the week after. We'll, be, we'll see you next time. No, yeah. it'll be next week. We'll get it out next week. Thanks for tuning in to The Grind. You That's can... a wrap, people. It's a wrap. Yes, people. Thanks for blessing us with your ears. Tell us what you think. Keep us in the loop. We'd love to get your stories, questions, and any topics you want us to discuss. Make sure you hit us up and leave a review on the podcast, and we'll see you next week. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.